What's going on gamers? Welcome back to Graveyard. I'm the Graveyard Gamer and thank you for joining me for this episode of Graveyard Gaming. Now in this week's episode we are going to talk about really not Redfall particularly but the fallout this week with Redfall's perception and where that puts Xbox. They're in kind of a tough position. I have some ideas that I think would help them out. Some of them are controversial but I want to share those with you. Then I want to talk about an absolutely stacked Graveyard Shift. So with that being said, let's talk about what's going on with Xbox. So gamers, I want to talk about the Xbox situation, where they find themselves in right now. Now understand, a lot of this is kind of to do with the release of Redfall and the reputation it has, but I have not played Redfall. I am not judging Redfall. I'm not kind of putting you to go play it or not play it. I'm not really kind of hating on it. I'm just kind of saying the situation Xbox finds it in with the less than stellar launch of Redfall because I do believe Redfall, whether it's fair or not fair, had a lot of eyes looking on it. And before that, let's go back to the 360. All the way back to the 360. And the reason I say this is when the 360 launched in November of 2005, all the way into the end of that generation in 2013, I'll be honest with you, from 2005 until about 2010, for those five years, the 360 was by far the most popular brand between the PlayStation and the Xbox. I mean, the 360 was fantastic. I had a 360. Everybody I knew had a 360. It wasn't really until the end of that generation, the last two, three years, that PlayStation kind of caught up and eventually did outsell the 360. But I think it's just because the strength of the games in the last part of that generation went towards the PS3. They just started getting some real bangers of IPs that people had to play. Now, the Xbox 360, the biggest issue I can ever point to, it is around 2009, 2010, when they kind of started showing off Connect, And it kind of became a big deal, but ultimately, I don't think too many people really truly enjoyed it as much as Microsoft wanted you to. Like, I'm not saying there was some bad stuff for it, but it really just kind of seemed like they were taking their eyes off the prize. And that was kind of enhanced by the fumbling of the Xbox One reveal. And unfortunately, that kind of carried them through a good bit of that generation. But here's the thing about the PS4 and the Xbox One generation. Point blank, yes, the first couple years, Xbox was really kind of having to kind of fix some of the PR that they had with the announcement of the Xbox One and the always online and the all-in-one box and the bundle would connect. But once they got past that, I think they started really making some good strides. If you go back to probably 2015, man, they really started working on new IPs. They started working on making their games as good as they can make. And around that time is when we saw the first iteration of Game Pass. And I believe the first iteration of Game Pass was really well done. And now we're moving into kind of 2016, 2017, 2018, those kind of years right there. But if you think about it, at first it was really your first party Xbox games along with past titles that you might have played like the all the halo games all the fable games all of these things were kind of getting put into this game pass plus a lot of indie games and at that time it made sense and i'm going to be honest with you the end of the xbox one generation man to me it was neck and neck and look i've said it before i only have a playstation and nintendo i don't have a xbox because for me you take nintendo out of the equation right that's kind of its own little deal but for me given my game time and, you know, just being a husband and a father and, you know, having a career, I don't get a lot of time to just sit there and game. So for me, it's kind of a hard thing to invest the money and the time into two different consoles when you're really only looking at what each console can give you as far as exclusive, maybe features and whatnot. So I had to go with the one that appealed to me the most, which is PlayStation. However, saying that, let me just say that 
you know, in 2019, I remember thinking, man, like, I'm a PlayStation guy. I can't see me not getting a PlayStation 5 at this point whenever they announce it. But, man, like, Xbox has really been killing it. And then there was a time at the end of that 2019 year that I was actually able to borrow an Xbox One for a couple months. And I really enjoyed some of the things I got to play on it. I spoke very highly of Gears 5 and Halo 4 and 5 and a few other games. So, going into this generation, I gotta say, it's kind of been night and day. I really, truly thought this was going to be the resurgence of Xbox. This was going to be their redemption, almost like a movie. We were going to get a redemption of Xbox. And ultimately, with Game Pass and things like that, you kind of felt like it was going there. However, I'm not going to lie. I don't think we are seeing the resurgence of Xbox. I don't think we're seeing a redemption angle. I think ultimately, Xbox right now is kind of mismanaged. Look, let's just look at the facts. We haven't seen a ton of AAA games, and I'm going to stomp my foot and say this because you go online, you have a lot of Xbox defenders, and honestly, if you love Xbox, I would expect you to defend them, so I'm not knocking you for that, but you see a lot of Xbox defenders that say, well, we've had all these games come out, but I'm asking you, when was the last AAA Xbox first-party game? I can only think of one being Halo. Now, you could probably say Forza, and that's fine. I'll give you Forza. You can count that, but... A lot of games just have kind of been that double-A game or the lower-level indie games, and there's nothing wrong with that. But when I think of what Xbox is doing and how they're marketing their business with the Game Pass model, I kind of would expect, hey, the reason you buy into that is for those first-party AAA games, and Xbox is not producing that. This is where Redfall comes in and why I think a lot of kind of eyes were on Redfall and what its negative reception kind of means for Xbox. See, Earlier this year, yes, they had Hi-Fi Rush, which came out, and people were hyping up. I'm sure it's a great game, but again, it's not a triple-A experience. It's not that thing that makes you go, I gotta have Game Pass. I don't think Hi-Fi Rush caused anybody to go out and get Game Pass that didn't already have it. And it's probably not selling well, because, you know, right now, the kind of mindset with the Xbox players is, hey, if it's on Game Pass, I don't have to buy it, right? I mean, that makes sense. You get... Game Pass, you don't have to buy these games. So Redfall was that first big deal. And the reason is, if you go back two, two and a half years when Microsoft bought Bethesda, this was going to be the first built-for-Xbox game. Xbox only on the box, AAA experience. Again, can't count Hi-Fi Rush. You also can't count Deathloop and other things because, hey, they were built for PlayStation first, Ghostwire Tokyo. So this was the one, that, yeah, I know there was a PlayStation version scrap somewhere along the way, probably right after the purchase by Xbox. So for two and a half years, this game has been developed for the Xbox Series S, Series X, which I'm not going to lie, that's another thing we could talk about another day is the marketing of the Xbox. The names are atrocious, man. They really are. But this game was built for the Xbox Series X. And here's the deal. People are looking. People are excited. This is supposed to be a big first-person shooter. This is going to drive Game Pass sales. Now, here's the scary thing. A couple of months ago, we heard how, hey, there's rumors that Redfall is in bad shape. It doesn't need to be released yet. Same thing for Starfield. We've seen that Starfield got pushed back, but Redfall kind of came out this week. And you know what? The reception is not good. And honestly, I, I can't say. I haven't played it. But the reception... The scores are really, really bad. Now, this looks bad for multiple reasons. Number one, that rumor a couple months ago. Where there's smoke, there's fire sometimes. And ultimately, when the rumor was these two games, these two first-party AAA games that Xbox is releasing this year, and they're both not in good shape by Bethesda, which was this huge acquisition, 
that's kind of scary. And look, we saw Starfield get pushed back. So you go, okay, well, there's a little smoke there because they did push it back. Hmm. Now Redfall comes out and it's not in great shape. What does that mean for Starfield? I know I personally have seen online a lot of people are worried about Starfield at this point. It also brings in the fact some things that have been said about Game Pass for a long time. I know PlayStation has said why they would not do a day one release date on PlayStation Plus for their AAA games is because to do that, the quality would go down. You would start producing these things. You would be trying to get it in a certain calendar year, in a certain time frame, more pressure than normal because you have to make up for the lack of the game sales. That's the thing. Xbox, their software sales are down a lot. And it's because if you're on Xbox, you just get a Game Pass. So here's the other problem is the Game Pass sales are not going up because they're not putting these AAA games out there. You're not going to get people with Hi-Fi Rush. You have to get people with a stellar Redfall for your multiplayer co-op gaming and your single-player game. Like, it's an all-in-one kind of game. you got to get people to want to play it. But when the game comes out bad because you're rushing to get a deadline because you need people to believe in your brand, and this is what you get, it kind of goes back to that, well, maybe there's some truth to that. Maybe there's some truth that we're going to see lack of quality in the fact that they're trying to rush to get quantity out. It does make you worry about Starfield. This is also extremely hindered by the fact that I said everything with Xbox business-wise is unfortunately down. Almost every metric you could go by is down. Software sales, which is their video game sales, are down. And understand, you could sit there and say, well, yeah, Graveyard Gamer, it's because you can get it on Game Pass. And while that is true, the problem is any other game is not doing well either. Games like Hogwarts Legacy, Dead Space, Resident Evil 4, all of these titles that have sold really well on the PlayStation, they're not selling at all because Xbox, since they started including a bunch of third-party games on the Game Pass, have conditioned Xbox players to not buy games, to buy it on Game Pass. They've pushed the Game Pass subscription because that's ultimately the model they want to go with. And unfortunately, they're not able to produce a lot of first-party AAA games. That's where it comes down to. Again, I'm going to say it again. You don't sell Game Pass without those first-party AAA games. So they're trying to subsize that with you know, these third-party AAA games. And unfortunately, what's happening is they're not making deals with a lot of companies, unfortunately. It seems like they were for a bit, but a lot of these AAA titles are like, no, 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 we, we kind of want to make this money. We don't want to put this right on Game Pass. In fact, Callisto Protocol's developer said, yeah, our game is not going to go to Game Pass because we want to make this profit. It's one of those things that when they put this metric on themselves and they can't support their business model by having these first-party titles, I think it's causing a lot of damage. And right now, it's like, where's the income for Xbox and understand a lot of people say well Microsoft's worth a lot and it is but Xbox is a division and that's what you got to look at is what is Xbox costing them now we're going to this Activision deal and the reason I know some of you are gonna roll your eyes like we're we talking about this again yeah and I'm not gonna get into the right the wrongs too much what I'm gonna get into is if you don't know if it doesn't go through if it goes through it's gonna cost them 69 billion dollars however Obviously, they've got some kind of plan to make that money back, whether it's selling games on PlayStation, PC, obviously Game Pass subscriptions rising, all of that stuff. They're on a way to make their money back. They wouldn't be trying to buy it if they weren't. However, what happens if it doesn't go through? Well, they have to pay Activision $3 billion. That's right. $3 billion they're on the hook for. Ladies and gentlemen, there are so many better things they could do with that $69 billion or even that $3 billion that they could just start investing in their games. I talk about the 360, having that five years of amazingness. Gamers, 
in that five years, we had Alan Wake. We had Mass Effect. And Mass Effect and Alan Wake were exclusive to the 360. At least Mass Effect 1 was. It wasn't until Mass Effect 2 came out that you could actually get Mass Effect 1 on the PS3. But they had multiple games that were exclusive to the 360. Fable 2, Fable 3, I mean multiple things that drove you to buy this. Now, Xbox doesn't really have a whole lot. They don't have those AAA games. And unfortunately, I don't know what's going on. But even the ones that they do have, we're not seeing. We haven't heard anything about a new Gears of War game. Fable, we've only seen a short little teaser trailer. And unfortunately, it seems like there's a lot of issues behind the scenes causing that game to get redone. There was Avowed, which again, you only seen a little small clip, but that had a lot of hype for it. It's been two years, nothing since then. And then, of course, there's Hellblade. Ladies and gentlemen, Hellblade was the first thing we ever saw of Next Gen, and it's been MIA. Yes, we've seen a few little little trailers, little clips of Sinua's face and, and different things like that, but where's this game at? When is it releasing? And yes, make the game. Make it come out at the right time. Don't rush these things out. But my thing is, why has it been this many years and we're not seeing these games? Like, how hard is this? Why is there so much turmoil? Why are so many people leaving Microsoft? What is going on? See, that's the thing. They're not putting out these AAA games. And that's kind of scary. Because now it's pushing them into acquisitions. And look, I fully understand acquisitions. They're a part of business. I also understand when you work with a developer or you work with a studio you say hey let's bring in the fold let's work together and look when they bought rare it made sense there's a couple of studios that i think if they purchased i'd be like okay you know what man that actually makes sense sony does it all the time so i'm not knocking them but what microsoft has done is they've taken it a step further and they've bought bethesda now this is a publisher this has many different development studios underneath it they're buying all of them Ladies and gentlemen, that's not the way you do it. That's not the way you carry favor because what that looks like is, well, we can't do it on our own, so we're just gonna we're just gonna buy this thing, you know? Hey, you know, Fallout, Elder Scrolls, man, they used to be on all these other consoles. Nah, nah, they're ours now. First party games now. That's not nobody's ever going to seriously take you for real. Like you're always the company that just throws your money around. Create something, but they're not doing that. It, this is where it gets kind of I don't know. I start to kind of wonder what's going on with Xbox. If you want my honest opinion. What Xbox needs to do is, unfortunately, I hate to say it, I got nothing against Phil Spencer. I know a lot of people like him. So this is not an anti-Phil Spencer thing. This is, honestly, they need a new leadership team. They need a new vision. Game Pass was really good. It was a good idea. It got a little too ambitious. And, honestly, I think they tried to grow Game Pass before they were ready on the business side. Again, if they had had a steady flow of these AAA games coming out, like they said at the beginning of the current generation when they said hey every quarter we're going to have one of these games if they'd have kept that mandate going they would have never needed to go to third-party games but since they didn't and now they're doing this and now they're having to spend billions to buy these companies to stay afloat like it's starting to get a little bit like ah i think you need new leadership you need new vision again not anti phil spencer just a new vision if you want my personal opinion how i would kind of start doing things i'm going to give it to you number one the Activision deal. Man, I just go ahead and take the loss. It doesn't seem like it's going to go through. It seems like it's an uphill battle. Who knows how many millions of dollars have been spent over the last couple of years just fighting this thing anyway. At this point, you're going to lose $3 billion. But why not be smart? You're out $3 billion, but that is still going to save you about $66 billion. So why don't you work with Activision? And instead of trying to buy them, Look at the games you really want. You want Call of Duty and you want it on Game Pass. That is what Microsoft truly wants. 
So why don't you work out a deal? Everybody kind of knocks Sony for working out deals with Square Enix and Final Fantasy, but that's a legitimate deal. You're not buying them. You're not kind of going, hey, we're going to take this over and we're going to make these decisions for you. You're basically going up to the studio and saying, hey, we don't own Final Fantasy. You own Final Fantasy. We'll give you X amount of million dollars to make it just for us. And that point, Square Enix can look at Sony and go, yeah, we'll do that. Or if they want to, they could say, no, sorry, we need this to be multi-platform. Activision and Xbox can have that same relationship. Hey, Activision, you can still put it out on PC. You can still put it out on PlayStation. But you can also put it on Game Pass as well. Xbox can make their money. They can also potentially get some more software sales, which they desperately need at this point. And hey, everybody kind of wins. Sony can't do anything against that. And Xbox can kind of get some of those benefits that Sony's been getting, which is kind of funny that that's an issue that Activision has when it's like, yo, you guys made the deal with them. Why are you complaining about that? Now, either way, I digress. Xbox can have those exclusive pre-order bonuses or only on Game Pass do you get this gun, whatever it may be, and you can do that. Now, I'm going to caveat that because the next one is a little kind of contradicts what I just said. I do think that the Activision, I do think the Call of Duty should go over to Game Pass because that's a that's a special deal, right? However, I think past that, Game Pass needs to be more streamlined. It needs to be those indie-style games. And I'm not saying just small ones, but indie-size, indie-scale games. Hi-Fi Rush is a great example. Those kind of games need to be on Game Pass and then Xbox first-party titles. They need to stop focusing on third-party titles. And the reason I say that is you've got to train your Game Pass players because, it, look, it, Game Pass is not going to take off the way I think they want it to take off right now. They need to condition and train their Xbox players to, hey, Gotham Knights looks really cool. I want to play it. You know what? I need to buy it. Hmm, you know what? I kind of prefer my Xbox console. I'm going to buy it. And Microsoft makes a little bit of money off that. Hogwarts Legacy, all of these titles, they need to do. They have to. Then they need to really start working on their first party games. They need to invest in that time, figure out what's going on. Why do we not have any more from Avowed? Why is Hellblade not out yet? And see if there's a way to invest time, people, whatever it needs to get those games rolling out. And I want to be clear about this. I'm not knocking Avowed. I'm not knocking Hellblade. Because the truth of the matter is you guys have seen more for those games than I've seen for Spider-Man 2 and for Wolverine. So understand, I'm not knocking them showing a little teaser. I'm just saying man, these games should be more prevalent to the company, right? It takes about five years from start to finish of a new IP. That's why sequels are easier to get out because you can relocate some of those resources that were in those games into your new ones. So they need to look at that. What sequels can they just kind of start putting out as well to kind of fill in those gaps? Ladies and gentlemen, Redfall had a ton of eyes on it because it was that first major game that Xbox was going to be like, cool, we took over Bethesda, Look what we're producing. And guys, it did not come out the way they wanted it to. And honestly, it has caused a lot of people to look at Starfield and go, oh man, that's really put Todd Howard over at Bethesda in a very bad situation because I've never played a Bethesda game at launch that didn't have serious bugs, but you overlooked it. For whatever reason, we were easy to say, man, we love this game so much, I'll overlook all of these bugs and issues. I don't think Starfield's going to get that. And it's not because people are being unfair to Xbox. It's because Xbox has put a lot of ambition, a lot of lofty goals out there, and they're not delivering right now. So I think the Xbox is in a situation they need new leadership, they need to streamline Game Pass, and they need to really focus on the important thing, and that's getting their games out.
So gamers, what I've been playing on the Graveyard Shift, well, I am going to go ahead and tell you that I'm going to cover the shout-out of the month, trophy of the month, and game of the month since I didn't get to do them last week because I was doing a review. So for game of the month, I'm going to go with Resident Evil 4. And look, I'm going to be honest with you, Resident Evil 4 was fantastic. I did beat it. That's why there's a review out there. I didn't have it beat by the last time I did the Graveyard Shift. And I got to say, man, start to finish, I was loving that game. I will say, I think the game ended at just the right time. Because around the time that I was starting to feel like, all right, man, this game is getting a little long here. I'd like things to wrap up. It wrapped up. So I can't even complain about that. It took me about 35 hours to get through the main campaign. I was able to do all of the side requests from the merchant. I was actually get, able to get all the trophies in the island area, but not in the village and the castle. So really cool, fun stuff. Definitely enjoy the game. Check out the review. But I also decided to load up my PS4 version of the PS2 game. It was the remaster you can buy for like seven, eight bucks every once in a while. So I gave it a shot and wow, I can see some of the changes. Now, I wanted to kind of play a good bit to kind of give you guys a, you know, remake versus the original version. However, I didn't play enough to do what I would consider a fair judgment of it. I ultimately got to the village square and the next two areas past that. And obviously people have talked about the controls and yes, Leon can't move when you're aiming. What people don't really talk about is the camera. You can't really adjust the camera a whole lot. Like you can move the right stick and you can kind of move it a little bit. There's a little bit of give and take, but it's not a free moving camera like we have now. So just be aware of that. Then I will tell you the layout is different as well. Not a lot, not like this insane, oh my goodness. But I will say, I think in the remake, they make things a lot more linear in the way that you go. Now, yes, Obviously, you can go off the beaten path from time to time, and you can go from different places. But in the remake, you actually go in a certain progressive way. Like, you're always moving forward to get to the next objective. And that objective might end up where you kind of go back to this dock area, but it's in a timely manner versus the original version where you get to the point, for example, where the drawbridge comes down. That part is completely different because before you even turn the drawbridge down, you can do that or you can go off this path to the right. And if you go off to the path to the right, it takes you to a different area uh, and the difference is you have to go where the drawbridge is and that will take you eventually to all this other stuff but in this original game they kind of gave you that freedom to kind of just almost explore so it, it's kind of cool the way they did it but I kind of prefer the remaster where you you stay on track and then when you need to get to those areas you get to those areas you fully explore those areas you do all that stuff so ultimately I can't really kind of sit here and give you a breakdown on what's different between both and I, I don't think that's fair to the PS2 slash PS4 remaster that I have because I, I didn't play enough in there to give you an accurate judgment. But I can tell you, if you're choosing between the two and you're looking at that price tag going, well, it's only a remake and, and this one's only seven bucks on sale, I think I'll go this one. I'm going to stop you. As great as that game was, it's a 2005 game, time moves on, definitely play the remake. The remake was fantastic. Uh, and I, I just, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed playing it. I told my good friend Hulking Yoda over at Lost at Sea Gaming, great gaming podcast right here on Spotify. I was like, dude, Resident Evil 4 is the right game at the right time for me. Now, I talked about doing the Trophy of the Month this week, and I will tell you, it is from WWE 2K23, and it is Unfinished Business. And that is using Kofi Kingston to beat Brock Lesnar on Legendary Difficulty. I talked about that in my last graveyard shift. I really wanted to do that, and I just couldn't do it. I just kept getting beat. So the day after I did that graveyard shift, I loaded it back up, and I went at it. And, man, whoo, it was tough. And, look, I'm a guy. I have already beaten Roman Reigns on Legendary, and he's level 99. Like, and he's got the best stats in the game. But Brock Lesnar, 
absolutely was a beast. So it felt amazing when I was finally able to put him down with the Trouble in Paradise. And it's kind of cool. You know, I talked about it in the last episode. You know, Kofi had this awesome run as a champ. Kofi Mania was running wild. And then, you know, Brock Lesnar, and I think it's like five seconds, beats him for the title. So it was kind of fun that they kind of acknowledged that. And they let you kind of turn the table. So that was really cool. And it definitely was a challenge. Other than that, in WWE 2K23, I've been working towards getting my universe mode set up, which includes downloading superstars. Now, I'm going to tell you this as a tip. I have found some pretty awesome, I mean, some amazing content creators who've made some awesome looking creator wrestlers. However, you will find that there's a lot of people that they make and put a ton of time into making these character models look so lifelike, so real, but they don't put the time into making the moveset. Now, I'm not complaining because, I mean, there's a lot of time put into making these guys look right. However, as I noticed that, I was like, oh, no. But I got to say, everybody talks about how good people are at making the creator wrestlers. I want to give a shout out to the people that make movesets because you can download movesets and it's really cool. You just type in your hashtag or whatever you want to do when you go into download a moveset and you'll see it. So let's say I had the Sting Creator Wrestler. Somebody has made Sting's moveset. It's accurate. You can kind of get a good look at what their moves are. When you hit download, it's not just downloading that moveset for you to later go in and port it over. No, it literally pops up and asks you, who do you want that moveset to go? Now you can put that moveset on anybody. Say you want John Cena to wrestle like Sting, you just go to John Cena. Or you go into the tab for your creator wrestlers and put it on the Sting creator wrestler. And boom, next thing you know, your Sting now looks like Sting and he wrestles like Sting. So that was awesome. But I've, I've really got a lot of my universe mode set up. I think I'm probably about 85% where I want to be. I'm probably just going to charge ahead. And as I need to update things, I'll update things as I go. Because I'm very excited to get that going and figure out how I want to share that with you guys. Other than that, I've done my GM mode. Like I had said uh, several weeks ago, I took the time to make a new MyGM mode and really focus on how much money I was spending. I ended up leaving a million dollars left over after drafting my people. And I've taken the time to make sure that I am putting people under contract when I need them. And one of the big things I look for is, number one, I look for who am I going to get permanently on my party because they cost a little bit more. However, you don't have to worry about their contract running out. And then I also look for people like, for example, Cody Rhodes, who's a specialist, which means that his style will work good against anybody, but it also means you're not going to get that extra fight bonus as, say, getting a fighter versus a bruiser. You make those two people fight together, you automatically get extra kind of points or people watching it, right? The, those two styles work well together. Specialists don't really have that advantage with anybody. However, Cody's super popular. So for five weeks, I can spend $40,000 and I can use his promo skill, which is extremely high, to actually increase my advertising and get more fans watching it. Which, I'm not going to lie, that does conflict with me a little bit because I'm like, yo, it's Cody Rozo. That's my favorite current wrestler. I want to use him. And you definitely can. But when it comes to my GM mode, you got to kind of take that out. you got to think business-wise. What's the best business sense? So I am working through that. I'm currently number one. I have Mick Foley on SmackDown versus Eric Bischoff on Nitro. And I think that's really cool that you can actually have that in this game. So definitely having a fun time with my GM mode. Now, when we move forward, I played another game. And this was a total surprise to me, ladies and gentlemen. I was browsing through the May games on sale, and I saw the original Siphon Filter. And I was like, cool. Well, then I saw something even cooler. It said free. I don't know why it was free for me. I don't know if it's free for everybody. I also don't know if it's because I bought Siphon Filter way back on the PS3. That way I could play it on my PS3 and also my PSP, which is still on my PSP to this day. But for whatever reason, it was free. So I jumped on it. I mean, I took advantage, downloaded it, 
And I played through the first level. And I got to tell you something, man. The nostalgia was getting me. I was having so much fun. I was thinking back way, way back to when I worked at a grocery store. I was in high school. I would come home after work and I would play that game, man. Oh, man, it was so much fun. And I got to say, I think the game for a PS1 game still holds up. Yes, it is not to the standards as you would expect from a PS5 game. But it is actually still a really fun game that I can kind of see me playing through and, you know, here and there playing and completing a level. I enjoyed it. It hit me with that nostalgia, like I said. Plus, I'm not going to lie, there is a platinum trophy to chase. It doesn't seem that hard to get. So had a lot of fun with Siphon Filter. Now, the other games that I want to talk about are my shout-out of the month. And you're like, wait, two games? That's right. I have a tie for shout-out of the month. Now, shout-out of the month, if you don't remember me talking about these, these are games that are, I've beaten in the past. They just stick in my mind that I'm like, man, I'd love to jump back in that world. Well, in the past, there's been times where it's gotten to the point that I've downloaded games. For example, a couple months ago, shout-out of the month was The Order 1886, and I ended up downloading it, but I never started it. This month, the reason it's a tie is because two games got in my mind so much that not only did I sit there and think about them, but I actually took the time to play them. The first one, my favorite game of all time, you guys know, Red Dead Redemption 2. I just jumped in. I went back to Chapter 4. I was Arthur Morgan. And look, if you don't know, I have so many save files on that game that I can just jump into almost any chapter depending on what I want to do. I like Chapter 4 because it's before Arthur gets sick, so you're at his prime. You don't have access to all the weapons, but you have a lot of the weapons. So anyway, all I did really was just kind of go up and down the coast around Saint-Denis. I just wanted to kind of see if I could find any more Easter eggs, if I could just kind of have fun. I went fishing, which was a blast. Then I sit there, I go down a road, and somebody's calling for help, and it's a trap. So I take them out. And then the other bandits come out, and I take them out. And then I feel like, you know what, you guys try to kill me? I'm going to loot you because I need to make it worth my, my effort, my time. I need some bullets back, if you will. And I walk up, and as I'm looting, witnesses saw it. They don't know what happened, but they're going to report. So I got to take them out. You know, it's the only thing you can do. And as I loot him for my effort, of course, another witness sees me. And I got to take him out. Him? I didn't worry about it. I just got out of there. And then I came across a really cool scene because if you remember, there is one of the missions that you get sent out on, one of those lender missions where you got to go and collect somebody's debt, right? And it's an old African-American father and son, and the father is an alcoholic. Well, I went into the house, and I hadn't gotten to that point in the game where you go collect the debt, right? So this is kind of pre all that. And I walk in the house, and the son is talking about how they're in debt, and what can they do to help? they got to do something. And the dad is drunk and he's raging at the kid. He's like, shut up, boy, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. Now, what's cool about this is the whole time Arthur has actually placed himself against a wall. And you can kind of see in as they're arguing in the kitchen. And then I thought it was kind of cool because the kid actually walks out. And since I didn't move, he saw me. He's like, dad, dad, somebody's in the kitchen. And the dad comes out. And at that point, I tried to defuse it. It wouldn't work. So I just kind of calmly backed out. And from there, I just went riding down the road. Went to go kind of get into some more trouble. But ultimately... Got right outside of Rhodes, and I went ahead and saved it and left it at that point to jump back in and have another adventure another day. Now, what's the other shout-out of the month? Well, that is Death Stranding. I don't know why that game was on my mind so much. With Red Dead Redemption 2, I think it's because I was watching a lot of Yellowstone. Death Stranding was just in my mind, though. So I loaded it up, and I had one of the best experiences. See, one of my favorite things to do in Death Stranding, one of the reasons that game is one of my favorite games of all time, is because the way you could just get caught up in a cycle of deliveries. So I load up Death Stranding, and I look where I'm at, and I'm at South Knot City. And like I said, I love those loops where you start just going from one place to another to another. So I looked on the deliveries list, and I noticed that I could go to 
right up north. It's south of Lake Knot City. It's kind of in the middle of that map. Even though it says south, trust me, it's in the middle of the map. But I also noticed that, hey, there was a delivery for the collector who's right there outside of that. And his delivery was interesting to me because it was a PlayStation. And I was like, ooh, that's kind of cool to deliver. And then I noticed the junk dealer had a couple deliveries. And I was like, all right, man, they're all kind of very close. I can do this. So I get in the little van and I drive the highway. Yes, I know. I always want to do the exploring, but sometimes it's just fun to do the driving. So I drive all the way to the distribution center south of Lake Knox City. I get out there. I go make the deliveries. And man, I flew there. No damage. I get a ton of starts. It's awesome. Then I noticed that he has deliveries for the collector. And I'm like, ooh, and he has deliveries for the junk dealer and his are timed. I'm like, all right, man, I can do both of these. So then I go to the collector. Now, I hadn't been in that area in a while, and the collector is kind of down in like this cavern, if you will. So I actually go all the way down. And what I forgot is he's not all the way at the bottom. He's kind of in the middle. Well, I trip a mule sensor, and I got two mules come after me, which are the bad guys in the game. But I got my bolo gun, which ties them up. Boom, tie them both up. Somebody had placed a ladder, which was awesome. Thank you. And I climb up that ladder, and he's right there. I make the deliveries. He thanks me. The cool thing is, not only did I deliver a PlayStation 1, but the delivery that I picked up at the south of Lake Knot Center was actually a PlayStation Portable for the collector. So it was like a PS1, a PSP. I deliver both of those. Cool. Then he gives me, because I take it, a delivery for the junk dealer as well. So I drive there, and you know, the, you got to drive through where the mules are. And I'm kind of doing some cool stuff. I get through it. I deliver it. A lot of fun, man. He actually gave me a special ladder that was actually really long, really cool. So I was like, this is awesome, man. And after that, I just got on foot and I just was kind of going back to the distribution center. And as I was like running around, man, time fall rain, which made me glad that I didn't have any more deliveries because <laughs> that'll mess them up if you don't know. And I just ended up taking some awesome pictures of it. Just had a fantastic time in both Red Dead Redemption 2 and Death Stranding. Was there a lot of progression going on? No, but both of those games, as I was telling Hulk and Yoda, are just games that I just feel like I can just walk around those worlds and just explore and do the same thing over and over again. When you talk about deserted island games and games you would take with you, both of those games would have to be on my list. And then finally, the last game I'm going to talk to you about is Gotham Knights. Gotham Knights has become my primary game. I've been wanting to play it for a while, but other games kept getting in the way. I finally said, nope, this is it. I'm making it a priority. And gamers, I've fallen in love. I don't know why this game has gotten the grief that it got when it came out. I know 30 frames per second, but that has never bothered me. I don't even see it slow down. I don't even see any kind of slow down, anything. It just looks fantastic. I love Gotham City. Another thing me and Hulking Yoda have talked about is how much we actually love the way they've depicted Gotham City. It's really cool to actually see citizens on the streets. But I've been working my way, just making sure I get through all the premeditated crimes unfortunately i failed some so i'm trying to get the one where you do all of them in a single night been getting the combat down i've played now as all four characters all four characters to me they play differently and they play so well like i enjoyed the combat in this game it took me a while to get over the fact there's no counter button like in the other batman arkham games but once you kind of get past that and you start dodging more you start working your ranged and your close combat oh man and then the different options between the characters so much fun guys and I got to say, there's a cool mission where you go visit somebody at Blackgate Penitentiary. And me and Hulk and Yoda were talking about this. A certain scene starts happening and everything's going down. Now, first off, there's some dialogue. And it could be completely different if you encounter this person as Nightwing or Red Hood or Batgirl or Robin. Like, it's all different, which is another thing that I give them so much credit in this game. Like, it's not just 
a, a paint version of whichever character you want to be. No, they not only do they have their own moves, but they interact with people differently. So I thought that was fantastic. I kind of wish I had played as Red Hood to have this interaction to see what would have been set. Then you get outside and you have this kind of, I won't say it's a boss battle, but it's kind of a battle royal, if you will. And man, I can't describe just how much fun that was. But other than that, gamers, I got to tell you, I've just had a fantastic time on the Graveyard Shift, and I cannot wait to next week to get back to Gotham Knights because, whew, and I'll tell you what, I cannot wait to get back to WWE 2K23 to start my universe mode, share that with you, and I wouldn't be shocked if I don't end up back in Red Dead 2 and Death Stranding at some point. Gamers, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I would love to know your thoughts on the Xbox situation. Do you agree with me? Do you think that there is a way for them to move forward with Game Pass by slimming it down? Also, the controversial topic, do you think Phil Spencer should be replaced? Again, it's not an anti-Phil Spencer, nothing but love for the guy, but it's a vision thing, and maybe Xbox just needs a different vision. Also, what are your thoughts on some of the games, all the games that are played on the Graveyard Shift? There's a ton of them. I'm not going to list them all again, but what are your thoughts on those games? And I just want to throw this out there. Be on the lookout in the next couple weeks. I'm actually bringing back Out of the Crypt. So you're going to get some episodes that used to be blogs a long time ago. And I've converted them into podcast episodes for some older reviews. So I can't wait to see your thoughts on that. As always, you can find me as GravyardGamer at gmail.com and let me know what you think. Or find me on Instagram at TheGraveyardGamer or on Twitter at TheGraveyardG. Till next time, I'll be creeping around the graveyard.